Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. I honestly do not remember as a young person growing up in and out of church. I mean, certainly wasn't the most consistent um, attender. I don't think I won too many perfect attendance Sunday school pins, although I think I did one year. I think I really did. Again, so my mom and dad, we were not necessarily a church-based, church-attending kind of family. I grew up later in my life as a Christian atheist, as I've told you many times before, that pseudo-Christian at the very best, hypocrite, probably at the worst. But I I just don't remember Pentecost growing up. I don't. I don't remember. I honestly think I can say, I've said this before, and I think I can say that with every ounce of integrity in me, I don't remember hearing the name Holy Spirit until I was 34 years old at a promise keepers meeting as I was turning 34, being, I mean, literally born again moment. And then going to seminary at Asbury Theological Seminary, we studied, oh, just a little bit about the Holy Spirit. But I just don't, short of the doxology, most of you, maybe all of you know the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And at the end, praise God, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So that was it. I heard Holy Ghost. But did I know anything about the connection of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Zero. Nada. Did I even have a concept of the Holy Spirit in my life? I did not. I just, I just, I don't remember anything. I I kid around when I share and talk and preach now. I did go to a church that believed in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and then potluck suppers. <laughs> so uh, we had, you know, I, I remember having a lot of meals together. And I remember talking about the Father. I remember talking, obviously, about the Son, Jesus. I honestly do not remember talking about the Holy Spirit. So usually in these podcast, at least the last several, kind of gotten into a little bit of a, a routine, which I think is a good routine. I think it's spirit-led, where start with a little bit of a story and, and share that and then jump into scripture. I think for this one at least, and maybe for the next one, as we look at this passage of scripture, Romans 8, 9, 10, and 11, we'll see how far we get here today, but this starts the deep end, I think, of the pool of this this chapter that just is so deeply rich in theological importance in our lives. I've said before many times that if there were one piece of uh, parchment, one sheet, one page of the Bible that could be smuggled in if I were in prison or if I were stranded on a deserted island or whatever the case, I would want the sheet of paper that contains Romans 6, 7, and 8. This is why we've gone through this the way we have. I think, though, this part right here, when we read, I'm going to jump into verses 9, 10, and 11, and just hear, I mean, literally dripping 
dripping with the dew of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just dripping with incredible, life-changing, life-transforming power and, and just this Almost this, I could almost see this oil dripping off of these verses as I read them. So listen, just listen. And I invite you to close your eyes unless you're driving. But listen to these verses. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now there's a parenthesis with this next, this last part of verse 9. I don't think the parenthesis sets it off as being less important. I actually think the parentheses here makes it even just as important, if not a really critically important reminder. Because Paul says, And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Christ at all. End of parentheses. Wow. Wow. We'll come back to that. Verse 10. And Christ lives within you. That's so critically important if you just read and understood what verse 9 said. Verse 9 says that the Spirit lives in you. Okay, hang on. Verse 10 says Christ lives within you. We'll get to that. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Praise be to God. Can we say justifying faith? Verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. <laughs> I, I can never read that verse without literally jaw-droppingly stopping and words fail me. To explain, there's nobody in the world who could do justice to that truth. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, who who woke up a dead man. By the way, that man was God-man, Jesus, the Messiah, Lamb of God, Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega. The Spirit of God will come up. The Spirit of God. And by the way, that Spirit lives in you and me. Come on. (laughs) Come on. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. (laughs) I I just, I love Romans 8. It, It might be my most favorite, most powerful chapter of all the Bible. It might be. And like I said, I, I know the last few, last several podcasts, we've jumped into a pretty, you know, just a fun story about my past, and we may go right back into that routine even next week. But for this week, it just felt like, you know how I, I now I took swim lessons as a kid, but I also remember my daddy taking me literally kind of by the britches and throwing me a couple of times in a lake or a pond or a swimming pool and saying, swim boy. <laughs> that, was my, that was my swim lesson. So yes, I took swim lessons with, with my twin sister, Pam. I remember those uh, July, August mornings that smelled like honeysuckle, a little bit of honeysuckle in May and June, and then uh, has had that summer smell to it in July and August, that heat smell to it. And then, of course, all the time had the smell of uh, chlorine, right? 
So I remember those those uh, those swim lessons. But I do remember also my daddy just grabbing me by the britches and saying, "Swim, boy." <laughs> so there you go. Um, you know, here I am, dog peddling and and uh, and treading water as best as I can. But that's what we're going to do here. I think we're just going to jump right in to the deep end of this and just kind of just go from there. And, and there might be, you know, there may be a story or two that the Holy Spirit leads us into. But for, for this particular passage, one of the things I want to, I think, feel like that the Lord is, is bringing to me as we're reading this and looking at this is this term spirit-filled. Now, I've been a pastor 25 years. I've been blessed and honored and privileged to be the pastor of Fremers Chapel for uh, 18 years, moving on 19, moving on forever. Uh, plot 118, plot 118. <laughs> Pam and I have a cemetery plot 118 on the far side there. I walk past it every single morning, to, usually twice a day I walk past it. So um, we are here and we're committed and we've been blessed and in that time, I don't know if there's been more talk than, than it has in the last few years, maybe four or five years, of this phraseology, spirit-filled, to be spirit-filled. It's always been a case. It's always been, I think there's, it's always been a terminology, as long as I remember in, in my Christian life of, again, 26 years now. But I, I don't remember a time that it's been more highlighted and maybe wrongly. So let me jump into that here real quick. Spirit-filled, I have a lot of folks, church attendance today has been hit and miss up and down. A lot of folks are not as regular as they can be, should be. We still have folks that haven't returned back from COVID days. And, and I, I just, I equate that to really a couple of things. We are all, including yours truly, we're all prone to spiritual laziness. We really are. I mean, we can be spiritually lazy and spiritually sloth, uh, sloth, sloth, what's the words, what's the adjective I'm looking for? We could just be spiritual. How about we just do, we can be spiritual sloths. We'll do that. So we can, we can be spiritually lazy and including myself. And I think we have to fight against that tendency to be spiritually lazy. I think part of not returning back to church in the last few years has been spiritual laziness in some way. Now, other parts of it, I think, I don't know if, if church ever was really relevant to the persons who may not have come back to church. They, they just, it just didn't, it didn't return back. Let's just say this, church attendance never returned back to a place of prominence or a place of priority or a place of importance like it had been if they are no longer coming to church in, in, in an active way. So, and again, the third way, the third reason that church attendance has not been bouncing back across the land in many, many, many different settings is because of the advent and the, uh, the necessity at the time of online services, right? So that's not for this podcast. I'm saying that because I believe there has been this tendency. I think those things have kind of propagated, kind of laid the groundwork a little bit for this phrase, spirit-filled even more than ever. And I think what I've seen, here's what I've seen. I'll just make it really personal. What I've seen over the last two, three years, the word spirit-filled, which I believe in, and I think there's a difference than being indwelt by the Spirit. So I believe verse 9 is very different than verse 11. 
And that's the whole point of this podcast. Verse 9 stands in conjunction and sharp contrast with verse 11. All right, that's, that's where we're going. But I believe that a lot of times the language spirit-filled today is used to really kind of explain an emotional high. And I always have said this, emotions are just a dangerous way to gauge spiritual maturity. Most of our emotions are not spiritually sanctified. They're not sanctified. They're not. They're not sanctified emotions. They're unsanctified emotions. They're still fleshly. They're still carnal. They're still operating in some kind of a a very humanistic mode, worldly mode. We are, emotions are good. A lot of our emotions, most of our emotions are good, given by God. But they need to be sanctified by God for them to be used of God and for them to be truly uh, deemed from God. Because a lot of times our emotions get the best of us. Amen? I mean, come on. We all can agree to that. Our emotions, our unsanctified emotions can get the best of us. So when people are talking about spirit-filled, so for instance, People jump from church to church at times. They've always done that. I think more so in the last few years than ever before. The consistency and the longevity and the commitment to a church is, is, is I think, <laughs> I think that is not the common thing today. That In fact, it's rare when people stay committed and connected to a local church for a long period of time. But I think part of that is this emotional sense of, well, spirit-filled must mean incredible high-energy worship. Spirit-filled must mean loud, stomping, just like, you know, step on my toes, preaching. Spirit-filled must be goosebumps. I must feel goosebumps. I must feel something for it to be spirit-filled. And I think that's just a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to define spirit-filled. I believe in spirit-filled, and I believe there's a difference in verse 9 and verse 11. But I, I just caution us to be very careful of saying spirit-filled when really all it's done is tickle your emotions. All it's done is kind of raise your hormonal level of some kind. All it's done is, is amp the volume up and use some good uh, music or good speaking or good preaching or whatever, the good feeling to make you feel at that point, oh, it must be anointed. It must be spirit-filled. I've had so many people over the last few years, uh, off and on, they will go to another church service, they'll visit uh, something somewhere, they'll see a podcast, uh, or they'll listen to podcasts, watch a video from so-called prophets. Now, I believe in prophets and prophecy. I don't believe that. So just make sure I'm clear. I am a charismatic evangelical Christian. Without without a doubt, I believe 100% in the Word of God. I believe in the Trinity. I fully embrace Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. Uh, I want more. This is the whole part, the whole heart. If you listen to the introduction of the of the podcast uh, and even the end of it, uh, the the epilogue, if you will, I want people to develop a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is where life is. That's where life is at its grandest here on this earth. This is where the, the only way that we can experience, I think, the true life that we're called to live is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. So I want people to be spirit-filled. But I'm also tired. I'm wary of people abusing that. I really am. I'm tired of people saying spirit-filled when you've went to one church service, you heard one concert, you heard one sermon, you listened to one podcast, and you watched one video. And because it tickled your emotions or got you all excited, it's spirit-filled. Please. Spirit-filled is a whole lot more than that. All right. 
So let's jump into verse 9 and 11. Let's really take a look at verse 9 and 11. So verse 9 says, And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Christ at all. Wow, wow, and wow. So first we have to go to belonging to Christ. That talks about, that really does speak to family of God or being a child of God. This is why I make it so clear, and it is a kind of a hot button of mine, theological hot button, when people use the term children of God in a very uh, worldly way. We're all children of God. No, we aren't. We are all creations of God. We are all dearly beloved of God. Uh, Vicky Barr's, I think Vicky Barr's favorite word, beloved, one of my favorite words, we're beloved of God. But that does not make us children of God. Children of God, there's an adoption fee. We must be grafted in. There must be, a, there must be something that had to have happened so we could place our faith in that thing so that we can go from sinner to saint, that we could go from being an enemy of Christ, an enemy of the cross, Scripture would tell us, to being friends with God to being a child of God. There had to be there. I'm quoting now five, six different passages throughout scripture in Ephesians and first John and, and different places. And so just know that there has to be something that happened. And that something is the work of Jesus Christ on a cross and in a tomb through a tomb. So that one, two punch of resurrection, crucifixion, resurrection, that was the purchase price of our adoption fee. We were adopted into the family of God. We became children of God, when we placed our faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus. Amen? So we belong to God once we've been born again. If you're not born again, if we're not born again, you are not a child of God. And there's only one other, <laughs> there's only one other father, parent, that, that, that Scripture speaks about, child of Satan. Father, our father is the devil. He told, he, he, Jesus clearly told that to the Pharisees. So we are not children of God just simply because God loves us. We're children of God because we have placed our faith in the redeeming, finished work of Christ Jesus on the cross through a tomb. Okay, So that's how we become children. That's how we belong. But how does that happen? Apparently, it happens somehow connected to the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit. John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. Jesus is talking in the last night of his life in the Gospel of John on this Thursday afternoon, evening, night. He's talking about the Holy Spirit a lot. He's talking about sending the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the advocate. He's talking about the paraclete, the helper. He's talking about the comforter. He's talking about the one who's going to remind us everything that Jesus taught uh, that Jesus taught. Jesus is referring on and on and on to the, to the Spirit of Christ. So the Holy Spirit living in us is the reason we belong to Christ. So when we are saved, when we are born again, right? The Spirit of Christ indwells us. Somebody say indwells. <laughs> Comes inside of us, indwells us, all right? Now indwelling, there is a Greek word that is used in Acts 2 and other places that speaks about this indwelling. It, it, again, it, it means to, it's a, one, it's a one-time thing, basically. It's a moment of time where people are filled. It's a single event to be filled, uh, to accomplish, uh, to be imbued, an old, an old word that means, again, filled, affected, influenced. But this word in the Greek, this one word to, to mean indwelt, implies a single event that's taken place, empowering believers to be trained, changed, transformed, and to do service for the kingdom. 
So there's this duality of this Greek word. And this Greek word would mean a change has taken place. Something happened, a change took place. And now this change, now we're ready to do work for a new kingdom. We've been transferred right from the kingdom of darkness to the marvelous kingdom of light, into the, into the kingdom of God. All right. So that's the first Greek word. All right. Pimplime. Pimplime is, pimplime is, the, is the first Greek word. This next Greek word, I believe with all my heart, refers to verse 11. The Spirit of God. So we all, so in some sense, so here's where we get the Spirit filled. Do I believe that every believer is Spirit filled? I do not. Do I believe every believer has the Spirit of God in them? I do. So are you saying, Pastor Tim, that you can have some of the Spirit? I don't know exactly how the quantity works. I don't know how that works in liters or milliliters or gallons. I don't know. But is there a biblical difference and an experiential difference between someone being saved, being indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit upon our confession of Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior versus a life that's different, that appears different, that seems different, that seems, well, more spirit-filled? Yes, I believe there is. This word is plero, plero. And this word means to make full, to fill, to overfilling even. This word is a word you'll see in passages like Ephesians uh, 5, uh, to be filled. It's also the word that you see in Colossians 3. May the, may the word of Christ um, uh, fill you, uh, meaning con- continue to fill you, continue to replenish you, continue to, to fill you until you're overflowing. All right. So I believe that is a decision by faith. You know, listen, everything that we do in our Christian life is by faith, isn't it? God does the work. God is always the initiator. We appropriate that. We, we apply that to our lives by faith. So to be spirit-filled, I think, is this passage in verse 11. The Spirit of God. This is the promise. This is the invitation. This is like the, ga- the dangling carrot in front of us. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. We're not talking about no longer... Just being born again, that's huge, that's huge. Please don't misunderstand me, that's huge to be born again, to be transferred from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light, to go from sinner to saint. My, that's obviously what I've been teaching, preaching for the last several, several months now, because apparently we just don't understand that. We cannot, you know how many sinners are in heaven? None, zero. You know how many saints are in hell? None, zero. So you better be a saint here before you get to heaven. And how do you do that? You don't become a saint by your own good works. You don't become a saint because you're so good. You become a saint because of the work that the Holy Spirit does when he applies the blood of Jesus into your life. Amen? He changes your very nature. You go from sin nature to Christ nature, taking you from sinner to saint. But this this power of Jesus, this power of Christ, this Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. I like to say, you know, that, you know what dead men can't do? Wake up on their own. Yes, Jesus was Jesus, but he was a God man. He was God and man. And, and he's in a tomb, dead. The Spirit of God woke him up. And that Spirit lives in you. 
But I believe there's got to be an appropriation. There's got to be a surrender, a surrender, a surrender. We've got to make sure that we're asking him now. It's a conscious decision. It's a, uh, we're asking the Holy Spirit to dominate. We talked about dominate last time, right? Now we're asking the Holy Spirit to dominate us. We're asking the Holy Spirit to dominate our thinking, our living, our breathing, our uh, every act of our lives. That is that spirit-filled life. That is that utterly, completely surrendered life where you know your call, you know your gifts, you're operating in your gifts that the the Holy Spirit gives you so that you can fulfill the call that the Holy Spirit has placed on your life so that you can do the work of the Father, so you can magnify the name of Jesus in all the world so that the kingdom of God would come actually through you somehow. Come on. That's spirit-filled. Don't settle for just being indwelt. Go for filling. Go for being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't stop at verse 9. Go on to verse 11. Verse 9. Yes, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives in you. But verse 11. But don't you want the Spirit of God? Don't you want the Holy Spirit who woke Jesus from the dead to live and move and operate in your life on a full-time basis? That's going to require you and me to surrender like we've never surrendered before. Amen? Perfect timing. I'm outside. It's starting to rain. I'm going to wrap up. We'll see you next time here at this next podcast. In the meantime, be filled. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.